Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church podcast. Riverbend Church exists to lead all people to know, love, and live new life in Jesus Christ. We hope that you enjoy this message. And so today is uh, week two. It's really kind of part two of a two-part series, You Matter. And so You Matter is not just a series for us. It's really an attitude that permeates the church. It's what, you know, if somebody walked you in with an umbrella this morning, uh, somebody served you coffee this morning or say, uh, said good morning to you, that really is an attitude that permeates uh, this campus in Oakwood. I know it does there too. Uh, just seeing what God is doing, it's just like once we've experienced it, you want to pour it out on people. And so it's an attitude for us, not just a, a message or, or a Sunday. Uh, but I do want to give you kind of some insights behind what we really think of when we say you matter. What do we mean? Well, here's the first one. You matter is the attitude that God has towards us. It's the attitude that, that, that calls him to say, I care so much for you. I'll step out of heaven for you. And we talked about it last week, but Romans 5 says this, that while we were still sinners, while we were the worst version of ourselves, we have a God that loved us enough to die for us. And so it's an attitude that he has towards us, but also this you matter attitude inspires us to action. When you really have this attitude towards people, you can't sit on the sidelines when God has placed a person in your path that you can do something to help or you can do something to encourage. And so it inspires us to action. Love is never designed to be just words. Actually, biblical love is a verb. It is something you do. It's something that you put your feet and your hands in as we show the love of Jesus. Because was it what Jesus has done for us when we go to work, when we're at home, and we, we show this love back to other people, we are inspired to action on behalf of other people. And then also this last one, or the last uh, kind of attribute here, you matter, here's what it does. It instills hope, dignity, and value into the lives of other people. It's what God did for us. We unpacked it last week uh, at the, with the woman at the well. So if you didn't catch that message, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it. Uh, from last week, you can catch it online. Jesus met a woman at a well who for a long time probably didn't have much hope, had lost her dignity because of a lot of mistakes and probably a lot of abuse in her life, and then also didn't feel like she had any value. And Jesus went out of his way to speak hope and dignity and value back into her life. And to be honest, that is the start of sharing the gospel with anybody. In our culture today, you wanna share Jesus with somebody? You've gotta be willing to first receive what he's done for you and then begin to speak that hope and dignity and value into people's lives. And so. Today, I wanna to share a moment from the life of Jesus, and it's what I call a real life example of what it looks like to live out You Matter when it comes to how we love other people. And so uh, it's kind of letting the love of God shine through us and, and through our hearts into the lives of our family and friends and neighbors. But in order for this to happen, for you to really understand, when I say, what does it look like to say you matter to people in your path, there's a reality that we have to wrestle with, and it's this. I'm listening to your notes. If you really wanna live a you matter life, I'm not talking about just on Sunday when you're serving. For those, we have great servants here. Right now we have a bunch of people in, the, uh, in our River Kids environment saying you matter from our little babies all the way up to our fifth graders that are there. And they're saying you matter right now. But you matter means that you've got to decide I wanna live a crazy faith life. There are so many who say this, I have faith in Jesus. I said that my whole life. 
My mom led me to Jesus, you know, after hearing about Christ for a long time. My mom led me to Christ. And so I I gave my life to Jesus. I came to the understanding of I need a Savior. Like, I'm pretty messed up. I came to the place, you know, after time of hearing God's word and hearing how much God loved me where I wanted to believe in him. And so I did. And I would have told you, I have faith. I have faith in Jesus. But do you know what I've learned? So many people's faith in Jesus is just big enough to make sure I don't go to hell and I go to heaven. It's kind of like a security in your mind to go, I have faith because I'm going to go to heaven one day because I did that whole, I believe in Jesus, I got baptized, and I believe. But here's been my prayer for Riverbend Church. God, don't just let us have faith. Move us to a place of crazy faith where everybody else looks at us and says, how in the world can you live like that? Why are you so radical? You may even get called an extremist for Jesus. Like if the love of God flows out of you in such a way that people can just see it all over you. Crazy faith. There was a guy who brought his son to Jesus one time and his son was demon possessed and he brought him to Jesus and he goes, Jesus, heal him if you can. Let me show you what Jesus said here. He said, what do you mean if I can? And then here's a powerful statement from Jesus. Anything is possible if a person believes. I can make a strong argument that the belief Jesus is talking about is not just the kind of faith where we say, you know, I have faith. I believe it's crazy faith. Crazy enough faith to believe that what God said in his word is true. Crazy enough to believe that what he says about you in his word is a reality. But here's what the father says. He cries out, and this has been, I think, the heartbeat, my heartbeat a lot of times in life. The father said, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. That resonate with anybody? I do believe, God, I do believe, but Lord, I want to believe more. I don't want to just believe a little bit, enough just to get me good with you. I want to live a life where everywhere my feet go, people go, there's something different. That person actually believes, they really believe what they say they believe. It's not just a a religious connection for them. So he was honestly, he was saying, Jesus, I have faith, but will you help me have crazy faith? Somebody in the house today, I guarantee you, you need to have faith again, crazy faith that God can still save your kids. I know there's a lot of parents praying, probably at Oakwood this morning. There there are those of you that are praying for your kids and your grandkids and are not there yet. You may be frustrated with God and you may have given up on praying, but maybe crazy you matter faith needs to come back and wash over your life today and just remind you, you have a God that can save I don't know, there's a lot of people in the room today, and listen, we just gonna get real in here. If you're uncomfortable, just shake it off, all right? Sometimes our marriages struggle on Sundays. Don't say amen. Sometimes our marriages struggle on Sundays, right? You don't know what it is, but they struggle. But, But here's the thing. Do we believe that we have a God that can help us overcome what the enemy has told us is impossible? I do. Crazy faith. Do we believe that we serve a God who not only wants to take us to heaven one day, but who wants to deliver us from the addiction that keeps pushing us down? The drug and alcohol addiction, the pornography addiction, the thing that keeps dragging you back every time. Too real for y'all? Come on, man. It's Sunday morning. It's real time around here. I serve a God, and I believe that, you know, on my best days when the Lord is working through me, I have crazy faith just to look out and go, God, there's not anybody in this house, there's not anybody in Oakwood, there's not anybody watching online today that you can't save and change and heal. Do we believe like that, Riverbend? Because that's where I want to lead us, man. That's where I want to go. I'm trying to live there myself. But if you'll struggle with me, I want to go to this place where I say, God, I do believe, but will you help me overcome my unbelief? Here's what the story says here. I want to to introduce you to these guys who had what I call 
crazy faith when it came to getting their friend to Jesus. Look at this. Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later. Several days later, let me get that right. The news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. Let me catch you up on what's happening in the life of Jesus right here. Jesus has been performing miracles all over little towns around the Sea of Galilee, which is north of Jerusalem. He's been performing miracles there, and he's kind of gathered a following. Everywhere he goes, people kind of migrate there, and they bring their sick friends, and they bring others that that they want healing. Some showed up just because they wanted to hear him teach. They'd been bored to death in their church all their life, and now all of a sudden there's a guy preaching from the same book, but it's like making sense. And so people are coming. They're like, I want to hear this. And so they're coming to Jesus, and so Jesus goes back home. At this time, he was living in Capernaum, which is a little, uh, a little uh, really fishing town that's located on the Sea of Galilee. And whenever he goes in that house, it says that everybody found out he was there, and from all over these little towns, they start bringing their friends, and they start getting people there, trying to get in. And it says this, it was so packed with visitors, there was no more room, even outside the door. And so in my mind, what I see is I see them literally leaning in. They got the doors and windows open, and people are leaning in, trying to listen to Jesus teach. And so the word is out, and the house is packed And so I want you to meet the men that I call crazy faith guys in the story. He says, while he was preaching the word, that's really interesting. He wasn't healing at this point. He wasn't giving out anything. He was simply teaching the word and people couldn't get enough of it. And he said, he was teaching the word to them. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head And then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Now check this out. One of the only statements of its kind in scripture. Verse five, it says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sin. Now, in this instance, Jesus knew what they were thinking in their heart. He said he knew what they were thinking, so he asked him, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? But he said this, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man, and he says this, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. The man jumped up, maybe for the first time in his life, right? His friends have known him forever. Maybe he was in an accident and got paralyzed. Maybe he'd been paralyzed all his life. But at this point, he jumps up, he grabs the mat, and he walks out through the stunned onlookers. Can you imagine being in that church service that day? Here's a dude coming through the roof, and all of a sudden, like, interrupts the whole place, and Jesus stops and says, hey, you are forgiven, and then he heals him. And then the guy gets up and it says that he walked out through the stunned onlookers. I'm praying, God, give us a crazy faith movement where people will be stunned. They'll go to lunch going, man, I just can't get over what God did. They were all amazed and they praised God. So the house goes nuts. They're praising God. And here's what they say. We have never seen anything like this before. Do you know what these guys show us? What it looks like to live with crazy faith and bring others to Christ. I want to take one more look at this encounter and I want to unpack it. Did you notice that the four men carried their friend of Jesus? Let me show you what I, now again, this is my mind. This is not the kind of mat they used because I got this one off Amazon. I don't know what kind of mat they had, right? But this guy had been living on a mat for most of his life. 
if not all of his life. And so I thought about it. Now I think weird things when I read the Bible, right? He had to trust them enough to let these four dudes pick him up, put him on a mat, and then they all grab a corner of it. And they take him across town and they get him up onto a roof. Like, just hold up right there. How much trust and faith does the guy on the mat have to have in his friends to let them do that? Because for me, I may be like, hey, y'all, y'all drag me, don't carry me. Like, I'm gonna lay on the back and y'all just get on the front and give me a sleigh ride because you ain't gonna drop me. Or, you know, when we got there and they were like, hey, we're gonna have to take you on the roof, I'd be like, tap out, no way. Like, I'm paralyzed, bro, I can't move. And you want me to get on this mat and you t- no, 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 I'll wait. We'll see Jesus another day. We'll come back next Sunday. Like, I'm not doing it today. And so they jump up and they let him down. This guy trusted him so much. I wanna give you four crazy faith realities this morning. I think these men had to understand this. Here's the first one. Crazy faith reality is this. You know people will believe in you first and then Jesus. They had to believe in the, this paralyzed guy had to believe in his friends enough to, to get on the mat to let them carry him who knows how far across town, to let them get him up on a... What kind of trust did that guy have in his friends? And here's the thing, I get it. We are not encouraging people to put their faith in us. That's actually true blasphemy. And you know what? Sometimes if you're a new believer and there's, you know, maybe you're just starting in your faith journey and there's somebody that you really revere in the faith and you see them, it's, it's okay to respect them. It's okay to say, you know what? You were part of bringing me to Christ, but don't put your faith in them uh, as, as far as your salvation goes. But almost always, somebody will put their faith in you and then Jesus. You will be the one to, br- to bring them to Jesus. So there has to be that relationship. So think about it for a moment. Who has put their faith in you in this life? And I'm not saying the kind of perfect faith that they have in God, but You know, our families are actually set up by God to be that way. Your kids, you are the first example of what it looks like for a kid to put faith in another person as an adult because they have to. In a way, they're born on the mat. You have to carry them around. There's a building of faith that's there. You know what? With your spouse, there should be a building of faith. If you're in a dating relationship and it's moving that direction, you know, part of what you're doing, you are learning to put faith in each other, to build trust in your relationship. If you're overcoming some seasons of burn or some seasons of failure in your relationship, you know what happens? You have to continually build that trust relationship. Who is it that has put their faith in you this morning? You know what the second question is? Where are you taking them? Like when they look at you, where, if God has given you favor in somebody's life and it's almost like, you know, you're the mat holder. You're the mat carrier for somebody and they're there. Like where, where are you taking them according to you? Another thing that I thought about, you know, one day we will, if you're, if you're a follower of Christ in this room today, you're a follower of Christ at Oakwood, one day we will give an account when our short life is over We will stand before the Lord and give an account for what we did with those that were on the mats in our lives. And it's not gonna be everybody, it's gonna be the few that God put in your path. We're not gonna be banished to... We're not gonna be banished from God's presence because at the cross of Jesus, he forgave our sins, all those who put their faith in him. But we will stand accountable. We will be rewarded for those things that we did while we were here. And so it's important to understand that you don't have a single day to go by that, that you can't, that you're not on mission, that you don't go, God, I know that I have influence today. And again, it's not gonna be the masses. It may start with the kids in your house. It may start with your spouse. It may start with that one coworker. And you, if, if that's the person, you know how you know who it is? Because the Holy Spirit already said it. Like, you know who that is. You know who has their faith in you and where are you taking them? 
Where are you pointing them to? I love this. There was a four to one ratio here. They ganged up on the guy. Maybe he didn't want to get on the mat, but they were like, there's four of us and you're paralyzed, bro. We're putting you on the mat. We're getting you to Jesus. I play these stories out in my mind all week, y'all. So I get, get in there. There's four guys. And so maybe one guy had the, had the vision. He was like, you know, we're gonna get his mat. We're gonna pick him up. We're gonna take him. We'll take some rope because we, we don't know if we'll need rope or not. But if we do, we'll have it. So he was prepared when they got there to lower him down through the roof. But I think one guy probably got over there and he goes, you know what? It's a big dude. Like I can't carry him by myself. So he goes back out and he recruits three other guys. He's like, hey, six o'clock, we're meeting at Buddy's house. We're gonna get him on the mat. We're gonna take him. And so there's this community that comes around. Isn't that that way? Isn't it that way when you come to Christ often? God sends people around you. It's one person that maybe initiates it, but then some others will start coming around you and you're like, where'd you come from? And they care about you and they start carrying your mat too and they start getting you there. And so the community was so important. So, you know, I, I saw another crazy faith reality here. Not only did they get him on the mat and carry him there, not only do you realize that they're gonna put faith in you to get them there, like they'll faith in you before faith in Jesus. Here's the second one right here. A person with crazy faith realizes God has given you the ability to annihilate the man-made obstacles that keep people from Jesus. Do you know, this is something that we have worked so hard at as a church family. I would argue Riverbend has a history of, of, of fighting for this. God, what do we need to take out of the way so people can see Jesus? What do we need to remove? What obstacles have we intentionally or unintentionally built that keep people from Jesus? And let's get hammers and tear it down now. Let's get the dynamite, God. Do you know what I thought this week? We have to be the kind of church that says, if my attitude keeps people from Jesus, I will tear that attitude down in my life. I'll change it. I'm not just gonna keep on uh, giving an excuse because of what I've been through. I'm gonna say, God, I need your healing because it's my attitude. People are not really seeing my Lord because of how I'm living right now. And so God, I'm asking you, I need a healing season so that I can tear that down because that's an obstacle keeping people from seeing what's going on in my life. Another thing I thought about, if we require people to conform to certain church rules before they can come to Jesus, we eliminate and annihilate those legalistic rules. Let's just show Jesus for who he is. I'm unafraid to say, come to Jesus as you are because he won't leave you that way. Whether it's racism or classism or any other division in our community, we will tear it down in Jesus' name. Whether it's the name of our church building or our denominational affiliation or whatever obstacle comes, listen, I want you to know you've got a pastor that's gonna say, we will tear down anything standing in the way of people seeing Jesus. There's a question we asked four years ago and then we asked it again two years ago. And it's this, are we willing to do anything short of sin to bring people to Jesus or to bring people to his hope? Here's the kind of church you're sitting in. People said, yes, anything short of sin. We don't wanna sin against God to do it because I wouldn't honor the Lord, but we will do anything to bring people to Jesus. And so the four guys were willing to do anything. Look, look what it says here. The four guys arrive carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And so they're dragging him to Jesus they couldn't bring him to Jesus because the crowd. And so they dig a hole through the roof above his head and then they take the mat. You know, I don't know if they folded it up, you know, said, hey man, we're, we're gonna grab the ends and let you down to Jesus. I don't know how high the ceiling was. Maybe they were blessed and it was like a seven foot ceiling, so it wasn't bad. But if they got like 14 foot ceilings, I mean, that's a scary ride to go down from. And so I just thought in my brain, what in the world did this look like that day? And so here's what I did. We built a roof this morning. I wanna show you what I think it looked like. So 
they carried the guy to Jesus, right? And they get there and there's like no way to get him inside. We, 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 can't, we can't get him in. Guy, we brought you here, buddy, but we can't get you in the room now. And so one dude's like, I have an idea. Let's climb up on the roof. And so they get up on the roof and back in the day, the roof would have been made of not from like Duroc, like you see here. It would have actually been made from a similar material though because it would have been straw and clay packed together, compressed by the sun, enough to keep the water off uh, the roof. And so they get up on the roof, right? They climb on the roof and they're, you know, buddy, you just lay right there. Don't move, like don't roll off. And so they're up on the roof and he's like, man, what were we gonna do? And so I think maybe they're putting their ear down going, where's Jesus? They're walking around the roof trying to listen and they go, okay, he's right here. And then as they do that, you know, oh yeah, I see him. Now put yourself up here, it's exciting, right? Buddy's a little scared because he's over here going, I'm about to die. The friends are tearing a hole in the roof, which is cool. But think about the people underneath. Watch what's happening. As they're tearing a hole in the roof, like Jesus is getting a head full of sawdust right now. Y'all sanitize these Bible stories way too much. He's underneath there, and Jesus, but, but the friends, these four friends are going, we've got him this far. We're not gonna let any obstacle stand in the way. Even if I gotta buy this guy a new roof, you know? They're just like tearing it up. It's like, hey, I can tell you, church service had paused at this point. I don't know if they were singing a worship song or what they were doing, but everybody's like, you know, looking up all kind of OSHA violations with no safety glasses up under there. And here's these dudes just, just tearing through the roof, man. They're like, hey, I see him. And I wonder what old buddy's over here on the side going, hey, it's okay, guys, let's go back down. We'll come back. And they're like, no, 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 we're getting you in. You know, we're getting you in. And so they literally just tearing down the roof, getting it down. You're getting hit, so sorry about that. With the rocks right now on the front row. That's what you get for sitting in the front. But they finally, they finally get through and they're like, there he is, it's Jesus. And so they get the mat. Can you imagine this? Isn't it a crazy thought? You know what I thought about? When was the last time I cared that much about somebody I loved? God, I'll take a hammer to it if I have to. I'll take all my savings to buy the new roof if I have to. But I gotta get my friend to Jesus because I know they don't have your healing in their life. Maybe they've been hurt by the church when they were a kid. Maybe they got hurt in a, in a broken marriage or a broken home. Maybe they got hurt because somebody lied to them and they believed it. But I just thought about it. What if we got so serious, church, that we were like, I'm not gonna let anything stand in the way of my one. I got one, I can't, I can't carry everybody, but I can carry one person to the Lord. And I'll do whatever it takes. And it may take a lot longer. And it may be, it may be people may say, say, man, you're absolutely absurd for doing that. You just destroyed a guy's roof. See, there's another aspect of crazy faith that I saw here in this story for these guys. They got him there, but they knew that they couldn't heal him. They really believed Jesus could. Here's the third one. You do all that you can and trust God to do what only he can. Now, this is an encouraging word for somebody here this morning, only God can save. You can carry the mats, you can break through the roof, but then at that point, you just gotta trust that you have a heavenly father who will save and who will heal and he'll do what he does. I mean, I just, I rely on simple Bible verses like John three sixteen. God loved the world in this way, that he sent his only son that whoever 
believes in him wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. Whoever believes, if I can just get them to Jesus, the healing can take place in his name and in his glory. You ever heard this before? Work like everything depends on you. Pray like everything depends on God. I'm not here to argue, argue the theological accuracy of that because you could probably poke some holes in that. But I thought, you know, I would rather err on that side. God, let's up my prayer life and let me up my work life too. Let me do more for you physically. If people think I'm crazy because the Lord has called me to destroy somebody's roof, and listen, you may have to get me out of jail. Because if I'm over there going, you know what? I gotta destroy a roof to get somebody to Jesus. Ray, you may have to come bail me out. I'm just gonna trust you would though, man. They're going, he's crazy for Jesus. He wasn't trying to hurt anybody. He's not insane. He just loves people and he wants to get them to Jesus. Do you know why we can trust God to do his part? Because I know sometimes the reason we get weary is because we have, we have busted the roof and we're trying to push people through the hole and they're going, no, 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 I'm not ready yet. Like I get that. Sometimes people are just ready and they're just ready to go down, go to Jesus and you get a bird's eye view sort of to see what God's doing in their life, by the way. Sometimes they're just not ready. Here's the thing though, God has a perfect track record. If he has put somebody on your heart, if the spirit has put somebody on your heart to minister to, to bring to Christ, to love on, to meet a need so that you can build a trust, if the spirit has put that in your heart, guess what? I do not believe that he, he plays like peekaboo or he, he dangles little carrots in front of us. I think when he puts something on our heart, he wants us to go after it and believe. Crazy faith that he's gonna do his part. Now here's the problem. Timing doesn't always work in our favor, does it? Sometimes when you're praying for people, it just doesn't go right. Sometimes I'll be praying for somebody and I'll think, God, it has to be the right time. I see things lining up in their lives, Lord. It has to be now. And God's like, nope. You know how he says nope? He just doesn't do it yet. And that's frustrating. So maybe I'm speaking to somebody and you've torn the rule. You dragged the mat to Jesus and you've torn the hole in the roof and you're trying to force them in right now. Can I say just back off and love them? Let God do what he does best. He saves, we can't save, but we can show people a picture of what it looks like to love like Jesus. I thought, crazy thought went through my mind here. <clears throat> Where is it in your life that if you knew God would show up, you would step out in faith and do something? In your life right now, if you knew God would show up, you go, there's something in my heart, it's crazy. I'm, I'm, I just feel like I'm supposed to do it and I'm supposed to step out. It could be with your family, it could be with a job, uh, a, move in a, a move at work. It could be to lean in where you don't even really feel like you wanna stay. That happens too. You know it's gonna take faith to stay in the difficult situation where you are right now. But if you knew God was gonna show up, where is it that you would lean in and you just go ahead and step out and say, God, I'm gonna trust you. Listen, that's what it looks like to live with crazy faith. Crazy faith only makes sense in reverse. When you can backtrack it and you can show people on the backside what it actually looked like. I pray this often, Lord, help my unbelief. Move me from faith to crazy faith. So they get their friends to Jesus and look at this. It says, seeing their faith. Now I do believe that he included I do believe that he included the paralyzed man and the four friends in this point, but he seems to be looking up through the roof hole at them and going, seeing their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now pause. They did not drag their friend to Jesus, tear a hole in the roof just to have Jesus look at him and say, you're forgiven. 
If you put yourself in that moment, it's frustrating. Because, I mean, they've worked so hard and they got him here and they're worried about, are we doing the right thing? But, yeah, we're going to go ahead and tear a hole in the roof and we're going to lower him down. And the first thing Jesus says as he's coming, he goes, child, your sins are forgiven. You know what I would say? Hey, 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 that's not why we brought him here. Like, he's paralyzed, Jesus. We want him to walk. Like, we're not pulling him back up. We want him to walk out of here. And again, that would just be Joe's way of doing it. I mean, I, I wish I could say that I'm so spiritual, but like if I've worked to get my paralyzed friend there, I wanna see him walk out and go, whoo, go God. I don't wanna hear Jesus say, you're forgiven. But can I take you back to what we learned last week? God knows that there's always a deeper spiritual brokenness behind every hurting person. So you know what Jesus taught us in that moment? The mat wasn't his greatest pain. It was what was going on in here and here. Maybe he had self-worth issues because he couldn't work like every other guy. Maybe he'd hated himself since the day he was born. Maybe it was an accident that was his fault. Maybe somebody else got hurt. And now he has to live paralyzed and think about it all the time. Maybe whatever happened in that pain, in that accident or whatever happened to him, he lost his family through it. And he's had all these years to lay on his back and hurt. I'm not talking about just physically. I'm talking about the pain. And Jesus looked at this deep need in his heart and he goes, your sins are forgiven. He knew what the guy really needed. He said, my child, you know why I love that? Because it was like Jesus in term of endearment to him. Maybe nobody's looked at him like this in a long time. And he goes, I'm Jesus, I'm the son of God, and I'm willing to look at you and say, you're my child. Your sins are forgiven. That pain you've been carrying, I'm the one that can forgive that. It's crazy. Did you, did you know that your faith, though, is impacting others? You see that? He said their faith. Your faith is impacting. Now, obviously, our faith cannot save people, but it does have impact. You see that here. So Jesus knew this inner pain of this guy feeling like a lost cause or maybe too big of a sinner to be forgiven. And so there's a little interlude here that happens. It says that the Pharisees immediately in their heart, they said, Jesus is blaspheming. How could he say forgive sins? And look at verse eight again. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. And so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? Now, Jesus is phrasing this as a rhetorical question, but can we be very practical for a minute? Which of these is easier to say? Stand up, pick up your mat and walk to me is actually the harder thing to say, why? Because then if I say that and it doesn't happen, I'm a phony. But on the other hand, if I say your sins are forgiven, nobody sees that, right? But Jesus actually sees from a whole other perspective, one that we can't see from. He knew the forgiveness of sin was a lot harder than the physical healing. It was a lot higher price. He knew that not long after this, within a couple of years of this encounter, he knew that the sins forgiven part was gonna cost him his life. The most excruciating pain I believe a man has ever lived in, Jesus knew the cost of it. And so he said, it's easier in Jesus' mind, it's easier to say, get up and pick up your mat and walk than it is to say your sins are forgiven because I know the cost that that's gonna cost me. I know what I'm about to do for you. But here's what he says. So that the son of man, uh, so I will prove to you the son of man has authority. Now, now, now let me go on a little nerdy journey with you for a minute. Did you know Jesus never proved himself? Constantly the Pharisee was like, 
Prove you're the son of God. Do a miracle. Do something we can see it. Jesus just ignored it and walked away. The only time that I can find where, Je- where the Pharisees pressed him to prove himself and then he said, I'll prove myself right now was to prove that he could forgive sin. You know why? Because that was his mission. He came to forgive sin. And so when they pressed him, when they said, you can't forgive sin, the only time Jesus kind of fired back and said, watch me. Watch me show you. He said, so that I can prove that I have authority to forgive sins. He says, he turned to the paralyzed man and here's what he says, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Immediately the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers and everybody was amazed and they praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this before. Do you know what the mat mat carriers got to see that day? They got to see Jesus prove himself But they also got to see the miracle from a bird's eye view. You know, if you're in the crowd, you may not be able to see what's going on on the floor up here. But if you've climbed up on the roof and you've carried your friend here and you're looking down, all four of these guys, I guarantee you there were faces in that hole watching what was going on as Jesus healed this guy. And they're probably having like a worship service on the roof at that point, praising the Lord and seeing it. Here's what mat carriers get. It's the same for us today, the fourth one. You know, if you live with crazy faith, you know Matt carriers get a front row seat to the miracles. When you are obedient to do what God has called you to do, especially when it comes to bringing other people to Christ, you get to see the miracle. Do you wonder sometimes why people have crazy faith stories and you don't? Maybe it's time for you to start listening to the prompting because it starts real small sometimes. It's just a, hey, I'm gonna ask you to pray for somebody that you work with. I know you don't like them, that's okay. I'm gonna ask you to start praying. And then maybe the next week, I'm gonna ask you to start praying, like asking them what you can pray for. Or maybe, maybe that's not the step. Maybe it's just being kind. Maybe you know somebody and they're nasty to everybody, but the Lord starts putting it on your heart. There's a reason they're hurting. There's a reason they got that pain. There's a reason they lash out like they do. And even though that's not yours to fix, it is yours because God put them on your, path, on your heart. But here's the thing. Matt carriers get front row seats to miracles. See, it's very, there's a lot in our world who are disabled, who physically can't move. And listen, it is our calling as the church to help any way we can, any way and every way we can. But can I tell you something else? In this room today, there's not a lot of people paralyzed that, that may be watching online, physically paralyzed. But as I thought through this this week, there are people that lay on mats of their own pride every day. There are people that lay on their mats of shame every day. There are people that live on mats of depression, mats of past failure, mats of broken family because of what happened to you, mats of church hurt. And you know what happens? Any one of those that you'll grab a hold of their mat and say, hey, I wanna take you back to Jesus. I wanna take you to the one who's working in my life. If you'll grab any of those mats, cause see, everybody's not paralyzed, but everybody's in something. Everybody's got a mat. And you can't be a mat carrier for everyone, but you can be for the one the Spirit of God has directed you to. And see, like we talked about, you may have to build trust because they may go, hey, you're not carrying my mat. I don't know you. I don't trust you. Are you willing to invest the time? It's just like building up relationship with your kids. Or maybe if that kid, if that relationship's been broken, rebuilding it. If you've had uh, some damage in your marriage before and the enemy's telling you give up on it, listen, maybe guys, you need to start carrying her mat again. Build trust again. Maybe for the ladies, it's it's time to build trust again so you can actually paint that picture of the greatest love that there is. God said that the marriage is the picture of love. It's choosing each other. It's not blood relationship. It's where you choose each other. 
But here's the thing, by the power of the Spirit, if you will go after it, you have the ability to carry the mat of that person that's in your path. You can annihilate obstacles, but it takes persistence and prayer. You know what else? There's nobody here today, if you know Christ, that didn't have somebody carry your mat at one time. You didn't get here on your own. If you got so much pride in your heart to say, man, I'm, I'm a self-made person. No, you're not. Your mama had you, first of all. Nobody here made themselves. Every single person in this room today, God did not create us to be able to make it as self-made people. Now, I get it. You may have had to work hard and you may have had to be alone in seasons and go, I'm just gonna be tough. That's fair. But nobody's self-made. Everybody here has somebody else that at some point in time, maybe it's even just starting for you right now. You feel like you've been alone the whole time. Somebody's coming around and showing you the kind of relationship and trust building and they're starting to carry your mat. That thing that's been holding you back, that thing that you've been stuck in and they're starting to show you like you are loved. I care for you. But nobody gets there on their own. And look what Jesus says here, because this is kind of the, a whole other message in the message that I couldn't get away this morning. The mat carrier see the miracle from the top, but then you got to put yourself in the shoes of the paralyzed guy I'm in, I'm in for a minute. Here's what he says. Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. The man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the stunned onlookers, and they were all amazed and praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like it before. See, Crazy faith is not just for the mat carriers, it's for the people on the mat. The people that are stuck, paralyzed in pride, paralyzed in shame, paralyzed in all the hurt from your past, paralyzed in the addiction. It's for you too. Crazy faith is not just for the mat carriers. Let me tell you what happened here. Jesus said three things. For those that are on the mat, so you may find yourself today and that's exactly where you are. You feel like it. You go, Joe, I'm, I'm actually sitting on the mat of my shame. I'm on the mat of my own pride. I've been so beaten down. I feel like I've been abused and used. Or maybe you were just taught to not ever show emotion and not feel love. And so you're just on this tough mat. Nobody's getting through to me. Nothing can hurt me. I'm a self-made person. I don't care what mat that you're on. You have to decide if you're gonna get up off of it or not. Cause see, we serve a God who will tell you to stand up. You see what Jesus said? He looked at the paralyzed man. He first said, your sins are forgiven. But then he said this, stand up. Do you know what he was saying? If you choose to stand up, you can. Because see, Jesus heals in faith, right? He heals in response to faith. I believe there's people in the house and God is telling you it's time to stand up from the addiction, stand up from your unbelief and surrender your life to Christ. It's time for you to stand up from that past pain that's been holding you back so long. It's time to stand up and you're going, I can't, Jesus, I can't. If he says you can, you can. You've just got to decide, do you have the crazy faith enough to do it? I'm not saying you still won't wrestle it down this week. I'm not saying there still won't be darts from the enemy that come back. But I'm saying at some point in time, you just got to own it. I'm on the mat, but I have a Savior who says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many times do we quote that verse but then not live it? I can get up off of this mat and say, I'm healed. Stand up from your addiction, stand up from your trauma, stand up from your past hurt, maybe literally stand up from physical disability because we serve a God who can, church. Stand up. When I studied this in the scripture, this word stand up is actually the same word that Jesus used when he calls Lazarus from the dead. It says that Lazarus rose up from the dead. 
It's the same kind of word there. So Jesus is not just telling him, I love this. He's not just telling him to stand up physically. He was telling him, stand up, be forgiven and go home. Stand up and go walk in new life now. Stand up in freedom that you've never had before and go home. But not only stand up, I can't miss a single word in this. You know what else he said? Pick up. Pick up your mat. Now, can we just put ourselves in this guy's shoes for a moment? His mat is laying there. He's been laying on this thing. Let's just say he's been there 20 years. Things probably filthy and useless to him at this point. Jesus could have said, stand up and go home. But did you notice he said, stand up? So in front of everybody, the guy has to pick up this mat that he just got lowered through the roof on and he probably has to roll it up or fold it up somehow. He folds it up, probably thinking, you know what, Jesus, I'd much rather just leave this here. I don't need it anymore. Why would Jesus tell him to roll up the mat and take it with him? Am I the only one that thinks weird things like this? Do you know what this mat became? His testimony. He'd go back home to his family and say, you remember when I used to lay on this? Jesus changed me. See, maybe there's somebody here today and you're embarrassed of your past. And I'm not saying we should glorify our sin, tell all the details of everything you've ever done. But one of the greatest weapons of the enemy, I think, is to make you so ashamed to even tell what God has done for you because of how bad you feel like you were. But it's crazy. When you carry this mat around, I believe this guy carried his mat around preaching the gospel at that point. He's like, hey, let me tell you. I don't know what he wrestled with in his mind, but whatever that sin was that needed to be forgiven, he probably shared that story too, man. I, I used to be a sinner. They thought, they thought my sin was, or my brokenness was the fact that I was laying down on a mat. He said, but let me tell you what this mat represents. It represents all, represents all the self-worthlessness I felt in my head for all those years. All the shame I felt in my head. And so the mat becomes the testimony. Listen, what used to limit you is now your testimony in Jesus. That thing that used to hold you down and have a grip on you, it can't hold you anymore. And so now you carry your mat around going, I used, yeah, you know what? I used to be this. Anybody in here? And there was an old you version of you that a lot of people knew before you came to Jesus. Again, not glorifying it, just saying that's who I used to be. This is who I am now in Christ. I have new life. But then did you notice where he said to go? Stand up, pick it up. And then where'd he say? Go home. Sometimes the hardest place to go back to is the place, the place where you've laid for a long time, hurting. But when the Lord changes you, he may call you to go back and bring healing to your house. Maybe there's a mom or dad today and the Lord is looking at you in your heart, just saying, stand up from that pain. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. I'm not making light of it. I'm just saying, stand up from it. Stand up and then come and kneel down before the Lord. I can't lower you through a roof this morning, but I can tell you that we turn this into an altar today to where you can lean down and trust Jesus. If you're at Oakwood this morning, listen, you can respond with your feet this morning. Go home may begin with standing up, standing up out of your seat and saying, God, I believe you can heal me today. You come down to the front. You come on down Oakwood to the front. We wanna pray over you this morning. Maybe surrendering your life to Jesus is what you need to do today. Pastor Michael, I'm gonna let you take it at the campus at this point. Gainesville, let me give you two questions this morning. 
Whose mat are you carrying? See, today, maybe the response for you is, I need to come and pray. There's somebody's mat that I'm carrying. I need to come and start lifting them up to the Lord. But then maybe for the, the other question, is, is there somebody here and you know that God is telling you it's time to stand up out of that. Stop letting life hold you back. Stop letting your sin hold you back. Come to Jesus. Will you bow with me all over the room? It takes crazy faith to respond to a message like this. But I wanna ask you to make a decision in your heart right now. I know that some of you feel prompted to come and to pray, and there's something freeing about doing that, by the way. Make a decision in your heart right now. If you know the Lord is leading you, you're gonna get out of your seat and you're gonna come and you're just gonna cry out to him. And I'm gonna have people down here, we're gonna be watching, we're just gonna be praying over you today. If you're carrying somebody's mat to Jesus, what greater place to start than at the altar of God, praying for your kid, praying for your friend, praying for the one you're gonna go back out and love on this week in Jesus' name, hoping that they see the truth in you. If you need to respond to surrender your life to Jesus today, stand up out of your seat and you come and just kneel here today and just tell him, Jesus, today is it. I surrender my life to you today. And so Father, will you move this morning and let us move in obedience to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church Podcast. To learn more about who we are as a church and how to connect, you can head over to our website, riverbendchurch.life.